hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to the dads out there. Um, if you missed it, uh, we've got ginger beer this year. Usually we do root beer, and we thought, how could we kick it up a notch? And so <laughs> we have ginger beer. It's not on tap, but it is there in bottles. So uh, we just want to celebrate you and, and uh, all, the, all, the, all the dads in the room. Um, we also have some beef jerky. Uh, so if you don't like one, maybe you'll like the other. If you're like, man, I came here expecting root beer, there's also beef jerky. Who doesn't like beef jerky? There are some people, but anyways. Uh, it's great to be with you. There, I mean, there's just, and there's, there's just a lot going on uh, here nationally, too. There's two holidays this year. Uh, this is the first year of Juneteenth where we celebrate freedom for all, so that's cool, too. Um, but we wanted to uh, bring your attention to some things we got going on here at CTK Blaine. If you're new to CTK Blaine, my name is Tyler. Uh, I'm the campus pastor here, and we're glad that you're with us, joining us. Um, and if you want more information, there's connection cards in the back that you can fill out. There's also giving boxes if you feel compelled to give. No pressure. Uh, first off, this week, there's a ladies' night. All right? Who's, who's excited for that? Not me, but some people. No, kidding. Yeah. Woo! All the dads are like, yeah! No. Uh, so there's a ladies' night. Uh, it's this week. It's coming up. It's at the uh, Chevron Loft, um, 6.30 or 7, I forget. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Um, come have a good time. Uh, there'll be worship. There'll be food. Um, and Karma's speaking. So, you know, come for that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, and then on Sunday, there's our first annual student bash. For uh, That's not where we bash students. That's where students have a great time. Um, and that's here from 4 to 6. Uh, there's water games and uh, ice cream. So, I mean, that would be fun for anybody. Maybe we should have a, a parent bash at some point with ice cream and water games. But if you're a student, come to that. That's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, this, is a, this is a big one. Mark your calendars for this one. July 3rd, CTK at the park. July 3rd. Uh, yeah, let's give up for that. So, as you know, Blaine Marine Park is very significant to us uh, at CTK Blaine. We've met there every summer uh, before we started in 2018. Like our first big event was at uh, Blaine Marine Park in the amphitheater every 4th of July. As you know, 4th of July is the Christmas of Blaine. Are you aware of this? <laughs> it's bigger than Christmas in Blaine. Like old-fashioned 4th of July. So it's a great weekend for us to, um, to have a big outdoor service. We're going to do it with... Um, our, our family at North Bay. We're going to come together, uh, and, and we're also going to do a kind of a bring-your-own-picnic thing afterwards, so bring your own picnic. We'll have some, some waters and some drinks there. We want people to be hydrated, um, but please, yeah, bring some food, hang out, and pray for sun, all right? Would you guys be praying for sun for that? Um, but man, I'm excited. Not just us in North Bay, but Andy Tellman is going to lead worship at that event. He's like the, the network musician guy. I, that's not his official title, but <laughs> that's the best I could come up with in the moment. Um, but it's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, come bring your friends. There's plenty of space um, and should be a great time. 10 o'clock on July 3rd. Um, all right. So I think I got through all the announcements. So thanks for hanging with me through that. Brian gave me the thumbs up. That's good. <laughs> All right, so hey, we're going to continue uh, in our series today, but before we do that, I want, to, uh, I want to pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I think about Father's Day, 
and uh, there's excitement there. But I also recognize that um, some of us are grieving on Father's Day. God, I also recognize um, that for some it's complicated. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, meet us in that place, whatever it is, God. If that's, um, God, whether, whether, whether it's uh, a, a happy time, God, or whether we're going through it this year, Lord, I pray that you would just meet us in that place, God, and remind us of your fatherly affection and love for us. God, remind us, God, of how much you love us, God. And so we, uh, we thank you for that, God. As we turn to your word and these questions today, um, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Um, I pray that you would help us as a community grow in the knowledge of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so if you weren't with us last week, we started a, a three-week series called Questions. Big questions. Sorry, they're not just questions, they're big questions. And uh, we started a, a three-week series called Big Questions, and these are your questions. So you get a, you've, you've gotten to kind of set the table like, hey, this is w where I'm at. This is what my question is. Um, you know, help me out with this. And so I, I, I love this series, and it just so happened that every week we've had two questions that are, are different but similar. So this week we're going to talk about healings and heaven. And uh, they're not just like alliterative. They actually are connected. Healings and heaven, those are the two questions we have today. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, we talked about other religions and fallen leaders. That was, got us off to a great start. Um, and then next week, Brian is going to be uh, speaking on, on a couple different topics that, uh, man, that, that are just right in his wheelhouse, and so I'm excited for that. Uh, but yeah, this week we're talking about healings in heaven. And um, as we spent time in the book of Mark this year, you probably noticed this pattern that Jesus heals a, a lot. Jesus is like healing people all the time. Even as we were planning the series in Mark, we had to like, I had to look at like, well, Jesus, there, okay, there he, there he goes. He's just healing again, right? So I don't want to preach on healing every week, you know, but Jesus is healing and healing and healing. And, and, and so the question really deals with the nature of healing today. What, what is the nature of healing today? And so I rephrased this question a bit and reworded it um, just so, so the, 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 it kind of changed some comments into follow-up questions uh, so we get the full context of this question. But here is the question. As modern-day Christians, do we have the authority to command healing in Jesus' name, or should we ask for it? What about severe illnesses and genetic disorders? What is a lack of faith versus accepting God's will? So, good question. It's a good question. I don't think this person is, is alone at all in asking this question. I think we all struggle with this idea of healing, and there's a lot of feelings and thoughts and different conclusions on, on what healing looks like today in the church. There are some in the church who um, downplay healing. Uh, they would maybe even say the gift of healing was for uh, a, a time early in, like in Acts and early apostles, um, but it's sort of the need for it has, um, you know, kind of ceased to exist, and, and that could be because we have doctors and different things. So that's, it, in theological terms, that's a cessationist viewpoint, uh, where people think that the miraculous gifts died out with the first apostles. That, that's not my viewpoint, I'll just say that, but that is a viewpoint that's common in the church. Um, it's not my viewpoint because church history records healing and miracles continuing uh, past the early church. There's no indication from scripture that there was a drop-off point um, in, 
healing. But that said, um, there could be another group of people that, that might overemphasize the gifts of healing. Like it might be the gift of the church. And it might be equated like if I pray for someone and they aren't healed, that that's a sign of, of weak faith. So there are sort of polar opposites, like very different viewpoints on, uh, on what healing is. And my goal today isn't to find like the boring middle ground. <laughs> You know, like, ah, oh, this is just, this will work. That's not it. I just want to dive into scripture and see what it says and get the facts about healing. So let's look at the facts about healing. Here's the first fact about healing. Supernatural healing was a major part of Jesus's ministry. So the gospels, like I said, are littered with stories of Jesus physically healing people, healing people with different conditions, different illnesses, um, instead of honing in on one of those stories, I thought we'd look at a passage that kind of gives an overview, like an overview of Jesus's total ministry. This is in Matthew 4, uh, verse 23. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem to Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So this is, this is how Jesus' early ministry is described, and you can see that healing plays a prominent role in Jesus' early ministry, that when he showed up, and he started proclaiming the kingdom of God, he showed the kingdom of God in healing others. So he proclaimed the good news, and then he shows the good news by healing others, and he shows his authority in that. That's the demonstration of the kingdom of God. And so, and then what does this passage say Jesus heals? Pretty much everything, right? Pretty much everything, every disease, every affliction. There. This helps us answer, is there anything that Jesus can't heal? The short answer for that is no. Some things would be hard for us to imagine. Like, I was trying to think about a scenario. It would be like, man, it would be hard to imagine Jesus healing that. Like, if, if, like, regrowing a limb or something like that, right? That would be, like, a, that's a scenario that's hard to imagine. The Bible doesn't talk about anything like that. But at the same time, it, the Bible doesn't record every healing and, it, you know, every disease that was healed. It just says that he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. And the Greek word for affliction is the word malakia, and it means weakness. So Jesus heals our weaknesses. And this, this is a broad category for weakness. So this, this could be a uh, spiritual weakness, a moral weakness, or a physical weakness, right? So demon possession is in there. Mental illness is in there. Addiction is in there. It's like all-encompassing healing. All-encompassing healing. And we also know that Jesus healed people who had their conditions since birth, in John 9, Jesus heals a man born blind at the pool of Siloam. So this passage, it also lists that Jesus healed um, people with nervous system issues, um, seizures and, and paralytics. And, and if you know about the body, you know that the, the nervous system is extremely complex, right? We don't understand all the things that go on in the brain. 
Um, we know that it's extremely intricate, and yet Jesus can heal it. So you see that Jesus can heal whatever he wants to heal. And while there are many reasons listed for why Jesus healed people, the one that occurs again and again is this word compassion. So when you read the gospel, the word that shows up the most is compassion. Jesus had compassion on them, and he healed them. Um, there's a Bible scholar named R.E.O. White who said this, Among Jesus' motives, simple compassion is mentioned nine times, an attitude rare when most sickness was ascribed to sin. Jesus never reco recoiled from disease or mental illness, but he touched lepers, allowed the unclean to touch him, conversed with the deranged, spoke gently to those in distress who challenged him, and sprang to the defense of the maimed or diseased who intruded into synagogues or wealthy houses. So you see, Jesus just has a heart for people who are suffering for all different reasons. So let's, let's, let's fast forward this. So that's Jesus's ministry. How does it connect to us today? Do we have the authority to heal? Which was kind of the, the first part of this question. And so here's, here's fact number two. Jesus passed on his gift of healing to his disciples. Mm -hmm. Jesus passed on the gift of healing to his disciples. This question asks, if we have the authority to heal in Jesus' name, and the short answer is yes, we do. We do have the authority to heal in Jesus' name. Um, I want to read this from uh, John 14, 12. It says, truly, tr this is Jesus talking to his disciples um, before he's about to leave them. He says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus has been walking with these disciples for three years, and he says, whatever you ask, I will do. Whoever, I think the word is really important here, whoever believes has this authority to heal in Jesus' name, not just the immediate disciples. And this is a continual promise of God. And so what we see as we open, as we turn the page from the Gospels to the book of Acts, is we see uh, the apostles perform miracles, heal the sick, heal the blind. At the end of the book of Acts, we get a picture of the apostle Paul getting bit by a poisonous snake and nothing happen happening to him. So there is some pretty unreal, like, spiritual power going on. But I can understand being really, really frustrated reading this verse today, Right? Because how many of us have prayed for healing and have it not happen? Right? Maybe we've used, yes, you can raise your hand. And we've used Jesus' name. And yet it says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. I think we need to, we need to talk about something uh, important here. These disciples have been walking with Jesus for three years. And there's a sense that as we walk with God, his will becomes our will. We get more in tune with the, the spirit of God. We're living a life submitted to his will. We're praying your kingdom come, your will be done. Walking in the spirit. And so what I think this means is that anything that we pray within the will of God will happen. That if we're walking in step with the spirit of God and if we pray for something in the will of God, 
it will happen. But as we know, and as we can all testify in this room, God does not always answer those prayers the way we want him to. God doesn't always respond to prayers of healing the way we want him to, and we have to trust his will in it. And so this is how I've wrestled with it when people who I know who've, who've been dying have asked for, for prayer. And I've asked them, do you want me to pray for healing? And if they say yes, I do. I, I pray like, Father, if it's your will, please heal this person. God, if it's within your will, please heal this person. But either way, be present right now and bring peace right now. So I, I, I do pray for healing, but I also pray for God's presence and peace. And, and when we leave the will part up to God. Now, some people, I think, I wouldn't say I have a gift of healing. I think some people do have a gift of healing. Maybe they're more in tune with that and can pray in Jesus' name and see it happen. Maybe they're more in tune with, with what God wants to do. But that's how I've come to, to understand and pray for people who are sick uh, in, in my own ministry. And there have been times where I've seen some breakthrough. It's been a lot of times in smaller things like relief from, from, from ongoing migraines, different things like that, relief. Um, I've prayed for people who later have gone to the doctor and got a clean bill of health over issues they were worried about. I've also prayed for people and, and, and seen them pass away, um, like I'm sure most of you have as well. We've had our own healing story, though, I can share with our son, Eli. Uh, when we went for our first ultrasound at seven weeks, for Eli, they said there was no heartbeat. It was, it was uh, not a viable pregnancy. What did we want to do? And we told the, the doctor that we wanted to wait a week. And so we took that week. I remember going to church that Sunday. I remember going up front, going up front, you know, kind of where the pastors hang out, right, to pray for people. I'm like, oh, should we go? Yes, we should go. We go, and, and, and we told the pastor, like, hey, this is our situation pastor said, well, do you want me to pray for healing or for comfort? And we, Bonnie and I looked at each other, we said healing. And we prayed for healing. Next week at the ultrasound, the craziest thing happened. That baby had a heartbeat and was smaller than it was before. It was wild. It was wild, but it was an amazing reminder of God's power, right? Amazing reminder of God's power. Of course, there's still times where you pray and it doesn't happen, but I, I've, you know, we've experienced this at a really deep level. But those times when what we want to happen doesn't happen, that's what really challenges us, right? Like, God, why not, why not me? Why not this situation? And I don't, have, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know God's will. I don't pretend to know or understand the, the will of God. All I know is that it's better to continue to trust it's better to continue to trust than to give in to despair or turn from God. Here's an important question that we need to clear up. So if a healing doesn't happen, is it because I lack faith? Right? Is that the issue? Is faith the issue? And I would say that the Bible does connect faith and healing, uh, but we need to understand what kind of healing we're talking about. In James 5, it says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So you see, there's that, that word, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. But we need to understand what that word save means. That word save is sozo, and it refers to physical healing, but it also refers to our own salvation, eternal healing, right? So God may choose to heal physically, but the greater of greater importance is in God's eyes is eternal healing and salvation. That is the greater issue. Um, like we could go to Mark 2, go back to Mark 2 where Jesus healed the paralytic, and before he said, rise up and walk, he said this, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. That is the bigger issue to God. That is the bigger issue to God because physical saving is temporary. Eternal saving is forever. Our, all of our earthly bodies will break down and die. Like, we will die at some point. But Jesus is primarily interested with our eternal life. Like, that's what Jesus wants us to be interested in. He wants us to le live with eternity in mind. But naturally, because we live here and we know here, like, the greater burden for us is here. But Jesus wants us to live with eternity in mind. And living for that destiny requires a lot of faith. So sometimes God's sozo, his saving, it may, it may include our physical temporary bodies, but not always. Sam Storms is a pastor that I respect uh, a lot. Um, he's written a lot of books on the subject of spiritual gifts, including healing. And I love the perspective that he brings to our expectations uh, for healing. He writes, One of the principal obstacles to a proper understanding of healing is the erroneous assumption that if anyone could ever heal, he could always heal. But in view of the lingering illnesses in the New Testament, of Epaphroditus, Timothy, Tromephius, and perhaps Paul himself, it is better to view this gift as subject to the will of God, not the will of humankind. A person may be gifted to heal many people, but not all. Another may be gifted to heal only one person at one particular time of one disease. So he brings up the fact that in the New Testament, there are uh, people walking closely to God who had ongoing health issues right? Like, God didn't take away all the health issues. He didn't heal everything. And he also says that it, it, it does depend on the will of God for, for healing. Like, if God's going to heal, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's whether or not it's within his will, not our will. Like, we would pray, not my will, but your will be done. And so, to borrow a phrase from Sam, this is my final point on healing. All healing is subject to the will of God. God may heal, and if he does, he does it for his glory. And I encourage you, if someone's sick, what do we do practically? We pray. We call the church. We pray. We anoint with oil. We pray. We pray. We pray. If someone's dying, we pray. But we pray also, know, like, within the will of God. We try to sense the Spirit's leading. And we know, we leave that ultimate, ultimate call with God, not us. God may heal physically in the moment. He may not. But he always responds to our call to, to be saved. 
whether that's now in our fleeting days here or that's securing us a place forever in heaven with him. And so that's where we're actually headed with this next question. As we kind of turn our eyes, we've talked about healing, we're going to turn our eyes to heaven. I don't think we've done a conversation on heaven. Um, so we're just going to keep it heavy today. Sorry, guys. Uh, don't mean to. Don't mean to. Um, but speaking of heaven, uh, this, is, this is the question on heaven. Are people ever cast out of heaven as some angels have been? So this question has lots of questions attached to it. That we should kind of, let's, let's all kind of uh, regroup a little bit here. And let's, let's, uh, let's look at this, this question and, and figure out, okay, what do we need to know before we actually answer this question? So let me ask you, how often do you think about heaven as a Christian? Just kind of keep it in your mind. Do you think about heaven? Is it, is it a part of your daily thinking? Maybe, maybe you're not a Christian and, and you wonder about the afterlife. You wonder, is, man, is heaven a real place? So I, I want to kind of show you, like, what is the Christian vision of heaven? What does God's uh, word say about heaven? Because when we talk about hope as Christians, it's always bound up with the idea of heaven, right? Our hope is, is not—Paul said, if our hope is on earth only, we're of all men most to be pitied, right? So our hope is bound in an eternal reality with, with God. That is the Christian hope. It's a place where God's glory fully dwells and where we receive resurrected bodies. Jesus told us to live this way in light of heaven in Matthew 6. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is saying, live for heaven. Live today in light of heaven tomorrow, right? Live on earth today in light of heaven tomorrow. And of course, that takes great faith. Like if this heaven place doesn't exist, like we've all been had, right? <laughs> right, honestly. And that's what Paul would say, right? If heaven doesn't exist, what are we doing? Uh, but but the, the, our faith says, yes, heaven does exist. We're headed for this eternal reality with God. And if you need to get some perspective on, on how short our life is, like walk around a cemetery, right? It's a reminder of how short we have. We only have a little bit of time. We only have a season that goes quick. We're just one generation raising up another generation. You know, sometimes... Uh, we can get a perspective like, man, my generation is amazing. We're the most important, most influential. It's not true. No one's unique, right? We're just here for a little while. We raise up the next generation, and we go. And, and, and here's a message for Father's Day. Like, use that time wisely. Spend time raising up that next generation for Christ, right? That is not a waste. The time you spend investing in your kids is not a waste. It's of primary importance. Because we're called to steward the next generation. And so because of this fleeting nature of our lives, Jesus wants to keep our eyes forward to heaven. He wants us to live in his will now um, and glorify him now, and he will glorify us later. That is the promise, and that is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate test of our faith. Are we willing to live for that? Are we willing to even suffer here for that later? That's a faith question. God, Jesus... 
doesn't want us to to spend our lives just looking for temporary things to amuse us or, or waste it on ourselves. Like, he really wants us to focus on what's to come and live here now in the light of that. He wants us to live with the hope of heaven that one day everything will be made right. But the details of heaven can be a little fuzzy in our minds, right? What is it really going to be like? Like, will I like it? I don't usually I like to tour a place before I live there, like, you know, I like that. And so anyway, so that's, that's sort of the Christian hope for heaven. Here's, here's the next part of this question. It's like, okay, so the question asks, like, some angels have fallen away from heaven. Let's dive into that fun part a little bit. I, I bet, dads, you didn't know this was going to be your Father's Day message. Um, but, but can we, you know, the question is saying, can we still sin and be removed from heaven? Right? So can we just kind of repeat our mistake from Adam and Eve, and it's just this cycle of, like, God saves us and we mess up, saves us and mess up, which is like the whole Bible, is basically God saves us, we mess up, God has to save It's like just this, you know, a cycle. Will that continue in heaven? Now, what he's talking about with some angels, he's actually, they're actually talking about Satan and, and demons and the fall from heaven that happened before the creation of the earth. And I know this can, for some of us who are new to church, we're like, whoa, this sounds like, like kind of fantastic. Um, you know, not, not fantastic, but like big, right? Um, so anyways, I want to point you to Isaiah 14. This basically records the fall of Satan from heaven. It says, uh, it says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. So that describes the scene in heaven. You know, I'm kind of thankful that they don't go on and on about it because it just is like t way too, you know, God, God says later in Isaiah, like, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So this is kind of one of those things for a lot of us. But this is the scene in heaven is that Satan's pride conflicted with God's authority and God kicked, had to kick him out. Satan's pride was the issue and that's what was passed on to us. That's in Adam and Eve. Satan asked the basically deceive them, like, don't you want to be like God? He's basically saying, don't you want to be like me, right? But it's pride. But I, all I, I just say that to give context for this question. Like, okay, can that scene, since that happened in heaven, can it happen again? Sorry, that's not a dramatic pause. I'm just stuck. <laughs> Hopefully you're still with me here. Uh, but let, let's talk about what the Bible says happens in heaven. What is the scene in heaven at the end when Satan is defeated? Uh, what, what, what is it like? We're going to look at Revelation 21 all the way at the end of your Bible. By the way, I love the Bible because it's a complete story. All right? It's good. All right, this is what it says in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the picture of the end, where we're headed. Satan is defeated and locked up. This is the, the heavenly reality. And, and notice that it's a new heaven and a new, new earth. In verse 5, God says, I'm making all things new. Making all things new. But what I notice in this passage is there is a strong sense of completion. Like it is done. Like it is complete. There is no more mourning, no crying, nor pain, nor death. By the way, all those things a result of the curse of sin. Right? So could we sin in heaven? I don't see that in this picture. I, I don't see how that could fit. If God has declared there's no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, all of those in our lives are a result of sin. And, and I just don't see how it, it fits the grid. It doesn't fit the grid. All of those things are done away with in a, in a permanent way. If you go to Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. Death isn't happening here. It's, it's, it's complete. It's whole. The, all the battles have been fought. All the victories have been won. This is the end. This is the end of, end of it, where we just get to enjoy God's presence forever like he intended us to. So I don't see any room in this picture of heaven for another cycle of rebellion. I just don't see it. Like, Jesus has already died, right? He's already paid for sin. We've already been through all the cycles at this point. Like, it's over. It's done. Now, you could point back to Adam and Eve, and you could say, well, hey, they were perfect, yet they still fell. And notice where Satan is in this scenario. He's locked away. He's, he's done, you know? But, but Adam and Eve still fell. And so you could say, like, okay, so then do we just become robots in heaven? Like, do we, are we no longer human? And if uh, I, I read this week, maybe some of you have read this book, but um, Randy Alcorn, uh, of like 20 years ago, less than 20 years ago, put out a book called Heaven. It's just called Heaven. It's a great book. Like, if you want, if you want to read, like, a, you know, an in-depth, like, if you're just curious about heaven, that's the book to read. Um, but he says, he says this in the book, and I thought it was really good. He said, the inability to sin doesn't inherently violate free will. My inability to be God, a rabbit, or a flower is not a violation of my free will. It's the simple reality of my nature. The new nature that will be ours in heaven, the righteousness of Christ, is a nature that cannot sin any more than a diamond can be soft or a blue can be red. God cannot sin, yet no being has greater free choice than God does. Right? So actually, if we think about it, sin is what holds us down. Sin is a curse that hangs over all of us. So when we get to heaven, we are completely freed from that curse. See, in God's eyes, to be human is not necessarily, is not to sin. God didn't create us to sin. We actually get to be the humans that God created us to be in heaven. 
We actually get to be human without the flaw, right? Without the fall, without, the, without all of the weaknesses that we have, we get to be who God wanted us to be originally. That's the beauty of heaven. That's the beauty of heaven. At the cross, Jesus set us free from that, cure, from that curse. So we're set free to be what? A new creation, right? Jesus made us a new creation. And so that's what we'll, we'll get to experience in heaven. The curse does not exist in heaven. The effects of that curse will be done away with. And so we'll get to live as God always intended us to live. Our freedom will not be spent on ourselves, right? It will give glory to God. Freedom means that we'll be free from all the evil desires that plague your life. All, all the things that hold you down, all the things you wish you didn't do, you'll be free from. So I am pumped for heaven. But that is the, that's the picture. And I just want to say this, like if you're wondering, man, am I, am I going to heaven? We would love to pray with you. You know, like we have a prayer corner right here after the service. We'd love to pray for you. If you haven't made that decision yet, if you haven't made heaven your hope, if you want to talk to somebody about it, or if you want to pray about it, we're right here after service. Um, but what, as I end today, I just want to give you even more confidence in how secure heaven is uh, by reading Revelation 21, 27. It says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's purity. It's, 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 it's a place of purity. It's where we're headed. And my ultimate concern for all of us is I want to make sure all of our names are in that book. And I want as many names as we can to get in that book, in that book. So I want to share that faith. I want to share that hope. We get to live differently with a different attitude when heaven is our hope. So that's, that's my prayer. And so as we pray today, let's, let's pray into these, these topics. I want to pray for healing. Maybe Father's Day is a, is a source of pain for you. And maybe God wants to bring healing, healing today. Or heaven. Maybe I would just pray towards that if you haven't made that decision. Uh, let's just pray. God, we, I thank you for these questions. I thank you for their honesty. I thank you that they've allowed us to dive into things that we typically don't talk about at length. And so thank you for that, God. Lord, I pray as we talked about healing, I know that's a heavy subject uh, for many of us. And, um, or, and so I pray, God, that you would just shape our eyes and hearts to be a people of healing. God, whether, whether we're healing people, God, um, or whether you're using us to heal people of, uh, of physical infirmities, God. Lord, of, of, of sin, of loneliness, God, of, of, uh, of addiction, Lord. Or, um, God, just their salvation, eternal healing, God. Make us a people, God, that possess the healing, that walk in the authority of Jesus, God, to heal. Show us that, Father. And Lord, we pray, God, the challenge of that is trusting in your will and trusting that you are good. So Lord, I pray that if we've struggled with that, God, that you would help us to see your goodness in the midst uh, of grief, loss, pain, confusion, frustration, whatever it is, God. Help us, Lord, to feel you close, to feel your presence, to just trust. And Lord, help us to live with heaven in mind. Help us to live with heaven in mind, God. 
Lord, the eternal reality, Father, that, that, you, uh, that you've shown us, God. Help us to live with that as our hope uh, when we're discouraged, God. Help us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You ask us to do that, God. So, Lord, we pray for this, Father. And I pray for those, God, who, who are looking for heaven. Uh, God, want to believe, but maybe struggling to believe, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just touch them, God, in a way that only you can. Father, you'd speak, God, and, and, and show, Lord, show your way. In Jesus we pray. Amen.